Hi, this is Rod Rorick. Welcome back to Rorick Knows Podcast. Helping you become a better you and, uh, and also helping others become better. And today we're privileged to have Dr. Amanda Gosman with us from San Diego. And we're going to talk about global health. So Amanda, welcome. Thank you. Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Amanda is, is an amazing plastic surgeon, uh, not just because we trained her here but in Dallas, but because she is and exemplifies what a plastic surgeon is and should be. She gives back all her life, and she was that way as a resident when we trained her here at Southwestern and, uh, and today. And she's a professor and chairman at UC San Diego, and she's doing great things in global health. So tell us about why plastic surgery is so important in, uh, in global health today. Well, thank you. It's an excellent question. And I think that sometimes people don't really understand the incredible legacy that plastic surgery has in trying to address the needs of the world's population. But essentially, when you come down to it, a lot of the problems that occur in low and middle income countries occur because of trauma and burns and congenital deformities. And these are areas specifically that really require plastic surgery expertise. And in places where we don't have access to that type of care, the amount of disability that occurs from that not only affects a patient, but it actually affects their family and their community and really results in a, a very devastating impact right. on the entire community. Right. And that's so true. You know, we've all been to many countries around the world and, you know, like burns and burns are a huge problem, especially in, in, uh, in emerging countries. And if the primary income earner is burned and can't work, then the family sometimes starves. And and guess who does burn surgery and burn reconstruction? It's plastic surgery. And people always think of us as plastic surgeons. You know, we're doing boobs and tubes and faces and noses. And we do that. But our roots are, like you said, they're in reconstructive surgery. And plastic That's surgery excellent. comes from the word to mold and to make. So so what, what are plastic surgeons doing around the world uh, to help that, and I know you're doing a lot of things in Africa. So, what what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think we should be doing? Well, I think that um, we ha are really kind of at a turning point. Historically, plastic surgeons have been involved in a lot of what we call short-term mission trips, where they would fly over to a particular location that didn't have access to surgical care and provide care such as burn care or do cleft lip and palate surgery. And that model has some value in terms of addressing the immediate needs. But the problem is that for many countries, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, where there may be one to two plastic surgeons in a country of 60 to 70 million, that it's just not sufficient to be able to take care of the population. So one of the approaches that we have really been developing over the last couple of decades is to develop models where we're helping to create a pipeline of plastic surgeons and really tr create training opportunities within those countries to support the development of those services. Because you're absolutely right in terms of burn deformities. In many of these countries, the burns are mostly impacted um, for children. So kids are the ones that are most frequently burned. So if a child is burned and there isn't a plastic surgeon who can help with their reconstruction, they frequently stay in the hospital for months waiting right. for these horrible injuries to heal. And the family member has to stay with them, which then means that the family member isn't able to work or support their family. So to really address this situation in a sustainable manner, uh, the key is really engaging in education. So through the Plastic Surgery Foundation, which is a 
um, the foundation arm of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, we developed the SHARE program, which is a um, Surgeons and Humanitarian Alliance for Reconstructive Re Reconstruction Research and Education. And this program has identified young surgeons throughout Sub-Saharan Africa and paired them up with experts in the field from the US and, and other countries. And we have this very close mentorship model with a very um, robust clinical curriculum as well as um, research curriculum. And the importance of that is that when we think about the impact that one surgeon can have on a community, they can right. maybe impact thousands of, of lives throughout the course of their career. If we think about creating a training program, then they can maybe impact tens of thousands of people. But if we think about also investing in research so that we understand what are the best ways to treat that patient population, that impact can literally yeah. Im influence millions and really have the greatest impact. So we're trying to address it from yeah. all those angles where we send visiting professors in person to help support these residency programs, as well as to you know really provide opportunities for them to do research and study what is the best way to treat their own population so that they can build capacity and, right. and not rely on outside um, surgeons. Yeah, and you touched on something, Amanda, you know, you and I I've done many of these mission trips, and they're fine. I mean, I, you know, they make us feel better, but really, they have really short-term benefit. I mean, it, nothing against all the amazing groups that does it, because we've all been part of some of those. But I think you're right. You know, it's like, uh, you know, do you give somebody the seeds or you give them the crop? I mean, you want to give them the seeds so they can grow the crop. And basically, what you're saying is, you want to help educate the folks that are there to do what we come in to do: swoop in and swoop out, and that's really not a long-term fix and, and really that's what you're that's what you're doing in africa so tell me why did you choose africa i mean there's so many places in the world you could go and i know you've been in a, a lot of other places so why africa and what are you doing there now and how can people help that's three questions uh, yeah absolutely so when we started this initiative and you're absolutely right the short-term mission trip has you know been a strong legacy and there are there are literally thousands of right. plastic surgeons who have been involved in humanitarian outreach as you know something that they do on an annual basis and part of the problem not just in terms of the limited number of patients that you can impact but there's also problems with follow-up care right so if you're doing surgery especially things that like burns or cleft lip and palate where you need to have therapy afterward to really have a good surgical result it's much more important to try to develop the local infrastructure um, so when we started this program through the plastic surgery foundation we relied very heavily on some modeling that was done by the lancet commission on global surgery and this was really what brought global surgery into the limelight and that initiative which took place in 2000 2015 was actually led by a plastic surgeon, John Mira from Harvard. Right. And it was a ton of commissioners from all over the world that really sought to define what is the problem. And they have shocking statistics where 5 billion people around the world are without access to safe surgical care. So when we look at their heat map of where the greatest needed need is, it's in sub-Saharan Africa. It doesn't mean that there aren't areas right. that are without access in other parts of the world, but that is definitely the greatest need. Many countries don't have any plastic surgeons 
some countries have a few plastic surgeons, but what they really were trying to develop are their own training programs. So not just tr us training people, but creating the infrastructure of education so that they will have a, a continual source of plastic surgeons to, um, you know, address the reconstructive needs in their, in their societies. So um, that's a really exciting collaboration. And this model has been really, really effective in terms of building up skills. We've recently embarked on some really unique initiatives um, that were really at the request of the um, African surgeons, including the development of microsurgery capacity, right. where we take pieces of tissue and, and and move them to other parts of the body. And it's a pretty complicated technical, um, you know, subspecialty of plastic surgery. But this is something that we've actually been successful in teaching them virtually and have augmented that by, um, you know, sending in-person visiting professor trips. The other area, which is kind of interesting and somewhat controversial is, is you know, really trying to teach these plastic surgery trainees how to understand the whole scope of plastic surgery and uh you know aesthetic surgery is really a critical component of reconstructive surgery so i know that you and i are, agree with this but everything we do that's reconstructive should be aesthetic and vice versa and the skill set that we use as plastic surgeons doesn't really need to have that division as much as probably the public thinks um i know that my aesthetic education made me be a much better reconstructive surgeon and I use those skills every day. One of the things that was requested by a lot of the surgeons in the SHARE program was to learn more about aesthetic surgery right. so that they could approach their patients and have better aesthetic outcomes. Because when we think about what we do in reconstruction, it's not only addressing the functional component, but it's really addressing their quality of life, how they can overcome some of the stigma of their appearance and uh, social integration is really critical. And then also trying to come up with a sustainable business model for providing a plastic surgery community. So if you have a commitment to the government or your university to serve um, these patients for reconstructive needs and run their burn unit, it's not usually in a way that it's, it's possible for them to make a living wage. So many plastic surgeons also develop a private practice on the side in addition to this commitment to their their reconstructive needs and giving them the skills so that they can continue to really provide uh, well-rounded education is another initiative that's been really unique out of the SHARE program. And and really, it's no different than what's happened in developing countries. You know, in uh, most countries of the world, including the U.S. and Europe, you know, there are people that work in the state system of uh, supporting the population, and then they have a private sector practice. So. I applaud you for for actually trying to develop that in Africa. I know when you asked me, was it about a year ago, to, to talk <laughs> about aesthetic surgery, you know, and of course, since I trained Amanda, and of course, we we think that plastic surgery, reconstructive and cosmetic is the same. So we have, we're very comfortable with that. But to actually do that in a level, like uh, make it a level playing field in Africa is phenomenal because because you're right, it's it's the same, and it allows them to give back by earning some income to do the reconstructive surgery, like you mentioned, and and I think everybody benefits from that. I, I like that. So, how can both plastic surgeons and how can our viewers who uh, want to get involved? What what can they do to help this effort? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, we're always um, looking for funding. That's uh, one way that I would. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not making this a fundraising expedition, but, but, but you know, uh, Amanda, 
it's very nice to see and hear you know what you say because so many people take 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 and you're giving back and and i think everybody you know it's in our dna we we want to give back and and i think not only financially certainly as plastic surgeons we give back by going there and doing things and of course i'm going to join you on one of these trips uh but uh you know what else can they do i mean you don't have to be a plastic surgeon to be on these trips do you you can go to you can go with one of these programs can you not and help out if you have a certain skill set can you i mean we are always looking for like robust uh, kind of diverse teams in order to address a lot of the needs again you know kind of building sustainable business models to like what are you looking for you're looking for some mbas or what are you what are you looking for absolutely absolutely so as a part i would say that the biggest opportunity for people who wanted to get involved would be we do have a component of the share program that is specifically for collaborators mostly that there are a lot of students and um, surgeons in training that participate in that but there are other opportunities as well for people that want to get involved Um, we have a lot of research that looks at health services that delivery in those places so certainly economic modeling is one of the really important things that we're planning to focus on one of the challenges with plastic surgery is that a lot of our healthcare economy really um, depends on having access to implants and different um, supplies that are very difficult to get in a lot of parts of the world Um, so trying to figure out ways where we can kind of assess Um, what that market looks like to get investment from those companies so they can distribute in those areas is really important. Yeah. You know what I like about what you're doing is because it's really blending both together. You know, it's putting plastic surgery back where it really belongs because reconstructive and cosmetic are as one. And actually, we're, you know, it's like you're a primary care specialty in Africa because you're really helping to build the roots of healthcare and making it sustainable, not only financially, but also viable educationally. And I think that's amazing. I mean, it's really going back to the roots of plastic surgery, like you mentioned, Amanda. So so for our viewers, what are the five take-home points that they should have from uh, listening to you? And of course, we're going to get their questions and comments as well. What 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 do you need and what does this group need to go to the next level in uh, in doing what you what you're planning to do yeah i think you know one of the biggest take-home points is just really you know understanding that plastic surgery is an incredibly broad and diverse field and that we have been leaders in this humanitarian space for a very long time and uh, this is something that we continue to do and many people are attracted to plastic surgery because they may have had exposure to some of this global plastic surgery in the past and that we'll continue to kind of be innovators just like we are in the in the development of our own patient care techniques in the US I think the other thing is that, you know, as we think about plastic surgery, especially in a global realm, that you're absolutely right, that there is kind of a false division between what is aesthetic, what is reconstructive, and how do we develop capacity to provide care for patients around the world really involves merging those worlds and kind of debunking a little bit of that myth that plastic surgeons are only trying to make money and do a tons of cosmetic procedures, but that there's actually incredible value in that training and in that understanding that we that we want to be able to share with the world. I think with COVID and the um, ability to reach more people in a virtual space has really been a boon and has enabled us to make our community much smaller. So when we think about how to help patients that need treatment for burns or 
cleft lip and palate, we should really be thinking about investing in the local infrastructure and people that are partnering um, in those sites, as opposed to just trying to maybe reach out for one child, but really thinking about how we can create a system that will care for that child and their children um, going forward. And I think the key is that also, when we engage in this global plastic surgery space, as you, I think, saw when we presented cases to you as a part of the shared clinical assembly, that we learned so much about how care right. is practiced in other parts of the world. So this isn't just a one-sided altruistic effort. It's really bi-directional learning. We can learn a lot about how to be more frugal in our healthcare economy by looking at the experience of people that have limited resources. We also have a great opportunity to learn from how they handle really complex advanced disease that we don't always see in the U.S. So there's a lot of value for our own surgeons, for our own community, for the public at large to really understand what the experience is of people who are trying to build these programs in countries without uh, a lot of resources. Great. Well, Amanda Gosman, thank you so much. Uh, incredible role model, incredible plastic surgeon. I'm very proud of you, Amanda. And you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, giving back truly matters, and it's way beyond plastic surgery. So thanks again, and please send us your comments and questions about where, where you can help, what we can do to help you to really adva advance this unbelievable field of global health uh, spearheaded by plastic surgeons like Dr. Amanda Gosman. Thank you again, Amanda. Oh, thank you so much. Really a pleasure.